and telling you simply what does the Bible teach about fasting. There's some simple guidelines. Uh, some of you are seasoned at this, you understand, but it's always good to read and just refresh yourself. Others of you, you may never have fasted before. And we do this during the first of the year. We do it not to try to convince God or change God or try to show God that we're holy or we're good. No. We do it to humble ourselves before the Lord, that our spiritual hearing and ears would become more keener and sharper to be able to hear what the Spirit is saying for our personal life and then for our corporate life as a congregation here, that the Lord would lead us and guide us for this year, 2020, that we would accomplish His will all through this year. Amen to that. And so it's, that's our purpose and our motivation in fasting. So it'll teach you what does the Bible say about fasting. And then there's some suggested prayer points. It's not all inclusive, but there's some suggested prayer points at the front and the back there. And then the third piece is a little more extensive, how to fast effectively. And it gives you scripture and some practical guidelines how to fast effectively through this time of 21 days. Uh, if you're on medications, you need to be aware of that and take care of yourself. The Lord doesn't expect you to cause yourself to be sick or become sick. Uh, so you have to take that into consideration. If you feel like you need to consult your doctor, then do that and explain to him what your church is doing and just ask his advice on that. Uh, some of them, even nowadays, a lot of doctors are telling you it's good to abstain uh, from food for a while. And actually fasting, uh, I know you can fast internet, TV, and activities and things like that, but true biblical fasting will always involve some form of abstinence from food. So whether you do a total fast and don't eat anything and just drink liquids or whether you, uh, you know, do a, a Daniel-type fast where you cut out certain foods that are your favorites, and that's, we find that in the book of Daniel that he did fasting that way, or you know, uh, modified fasting that for people that are on medications or have physical issues like that. We don't want anybody sick. We realize this is a, a time of the year where the flu and all that junk is going around. Take care of yourself and uh, don't touch other people. Keep your hands to yourself, give them a fist bump, use a hand cleaner, like I said, and just be conscious of that, okay? And uh, at the top of that sheet on the prayer points, you're going to find the word that the Lord gave for us back in uh, December the 8th. And uh, I want to go back to that today also and talk about that in the message this morning. So the prayer and fasting that we've entered into is for that purpose of seeking the Lord for clarity that the Holy Spirit will help us to understand what he's saying and vision to be able to hear what the Lord is calling us to do in 2020. A lot of it will be doing what we have been doing, just a continuation of it. We want to continue with our core values that we value the presence of Almighty God. We honor God's word and we demonstrate it in our daily life. In other words, we walk the word, we live the word, believe the word, and we're a doer of the word. Number three, we believe in the power of prayer, knowing that nothing is impossible with God, but all things are possible with him. Fourthly, we believe and hold as a value that our love for God will cause us to love and value people of all backgrounds. That is why back in 2000, uh, the year 2000, Bob Collins, the Holy Spirit talked to Bob Collins, and we developed this vision to reach all people to restore the hurting and to disciple every believer into an active ministry because you have one. God's called all of us to be ministers. Have y'all got that? They got that. Do y'all have that? We called us all to be ministers. Number five, because of that love and because of that prayer and because of God's presence, we are called to fulfill the great commission and we'll make disciples and we'll send them to reach the harvest. Now, all of those things we do, 
but we will continue to do in 2020. And as the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us as we develop uh, the vision for 2020, we will follow the Holy Spirit and do that. We are a presence-based and spirit-led congregation. If you're new to us today or if you're listening online, we welcome you. I forgot to do that. We welcome you, those that are listening online. If you're new to World Outreach Worship Center, we are a presence-based and spirit-led congregation. We believe in the, the Lord talks to us both through the Word of God and through the ever-present and real spirit of the living God today. So having said that, I wanted to talk to you about 2020 vision, and I'm hearing it everywhere. Uh, the Lord kind of put this on my heart, and then all of a sudden when I, I get a lot of internet emails like you probably do from different ministries, and all of them are talking about 2020 because we're in 2020, but they're talking about 2020 vision. I went, you know, the, it, it's not, nobody stole anything from anybody. When the Holy Spirit speaks, those that hear him, hear him. And so we're hearing the same thing. So we're, we, we want to have 2020 vision for 2020. Amen. Uh, I don't have 2020 vision. Obviously, I'm wearing glasses. There came a time in my life when we came to uh, Virginia here. I wore no glasses then, and it got to where I couldn't read. So then I went to the store and bought those little cheaters, the readers, you know. And I had a pair at the office. I usually actually had two pair at the office because I kept losing them. I wasn't familiar or used to keeping up with glasses. And I had one in my pocket, one in, and then I had one at home. I'd have one at home in my study upstairs. I'd one at home in the bo- in, in the living room area, and I'd have one at home in the kitchen. Because every time I needed to read, I couldn't read, and I couldn't find the glasses. So I just I bought a bunch of readers. And then I got to where the readers, the cheaters, weren't working, or I had to keep up with them when I went out. And I just said, I'm just going to go get an eye exam. So that turned into glasses. And then that turned into bifocals. And then I got to where I couldn't read when I stood up here or when I taught or when I was doing things. I said, what is happening? And so Pastor Collins said, you need trifocals. I went, no, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I'm not, I'm not old enough for that kind of stuff. And uh, I looked at having the LASIK surgery and all that, and they couldn't do it on me and different reasons. I'm just weird. I couldn't do it. I tried to, I tried to contact in one eye. If, have you ever done that in one eye? I tried to contact in one eye, and the other eye was normal, as normal as I can be. The other eye would help me read and see better. I, it messed me up. They say your brain will uh, acclimate to it. Not mine. And I always felt like I had dirt in my eye. And I finally learned how to put the contact in my eye without poking my eye out. Sylvia was experienced of that for years, but it just didn't work for me. I never lost them down the drain like some people I know have done before. You know, I close the drain in your sink when you're putting your contact in. Anybody learn that? So that didn't work for me. So I went for an eye exam. They said, you know what you need? I went, trifocals. They said, you need trifocals. So... I don't have 2020 vision, but what is 2020 vision? The medical term is, I tried to find a funny video in it, but none of them were funny. <laughs> uh, 2020 vision, it's a term used to express normal visual acuity, which what that is, is clarity or sharpness of vision, measured at a distance of 20 feet. Do you know when you go and sit in the optometrist chair, your chair is 20 feet from that wall chart. Measure it next time you go, I'm going to. I'm going to walk it off. If they got square tiles there, you can usually, the old ones are 12 by 12. Anyway, it's measured uh, the clarity or sharpness of vision at a distance of 20 feet. So if you have 20-20 vision, what that's meaning is you can see clearly at 20 feet what should normally be seen at that distance. So if you're normal and you have normal vision, 20-20, you at 20 feet can see what typically is supposed to be seen at that, at that distance. 
Now, I want to bring in, at this point, this, this vision, because we're talking about vision today, 2020, the vision that was received 12-8, December 8, here in 2019. We've already shared it three times, but this, or two times at least. But it's a, it, what the Lord said to us, I am realigning my house. That means us. I don't doubt it's just us. I believe the body of Christ universal, worldwide, is going through this realigning. But the Lord speaks to this house, the wow house, and says, I'm realigning my house. I'm fine-tuning my church, that's you, to release the heavenlies into your personal life, your family, and your business. Can you say thank the Lord for that? Come on, Lord, release the heavenlies in my personal life, my family, and my business. We need him. The Lord says, I've given much to my house now it's a time of orderly release. So prepare your hearts to receive my alignment. Now I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to try to preach this, but yet it deserves some comments for some interpretation what I'm feeling this means and what you can feel that it means for you. And possibly the Holy Spirit's going to give even more revelation and enlightenment to this. He said, prepare your hearts to receive my alignment. That is why we're fasting. That is why we're t taking this first 21 days of 2020 and saying, Lord, we humble ourselves, we quiet ourselves as much as possible, we withdraw, you know, from activities as much as we can. I realize you have to work, I realize you have family, I realize you have some things you, you, can, you can't not do. There's some things you have to do, but as much as possible during this 21 days, I encourage you to just kind of withdraw from extra activities and just spend that time with the Lord. Instead of uh, eating, uh, whatever you're going to do, you know, spend some more time with prayer. Spend some more time reading the Word. Just spend some more time in the presence of the Lord. Spend some more time asking the Lord how you can help and bless others. There's many, many ways that we can spend our time, you know, uh, less TV or less internet or less a lot of things that distract us and just aligning ourselves. So that preparing our hearts to receive his alignment is very important or all we're doing is going hungry for 21 days. And I want to tell you, as I've said before, I'm not going hungry for 21 days just to be hungry. I want to get something from the Lord out of this. Amen. I know you do too. I'm not in it just to be hungry and go hungry. I don't need a diet that bad. Amen. Put that to rest in Jesus' name. And then he goes on to say, prepare your hearts to receive my alignment. And another thought I had, alignment means that probably means there's probably going to be some changes. Personally, for you, for me, for us corporately. When you come into alignment in God's alignment, that's probably, the Lord's probably saying that to us because there's some things that are out of alignment. Uh, you guys will totally understand this when your car or vehicle or truck is out of alignment it's a strange thing you let go of the steering wheel and it wants to go one way or the other way you know right or left radically it doesn't go straight doesn't track straight you have to get it in alignment it ruins your tires it, they'll wear out unevenly it'll, it'll ruin your your whole uh, steering system you know and now they have four wheel alignment so it's all got to be in alignment Ladies, you may not be aware of that on your vehicle, but uh, if your car is pulling radically to the left or your right, you need to tell your husband or somebody that can help you to get it straight because anything out of alignment is going to wear out, okay? So the Lord is telling us that you're probably out of alignment in some places in our life, and so there's a need for change, and uh, so that's what the alignment thing is about. And he goes on to say, my kingdom glory will explode in your midst. Now, that's the good news of it. 
But that's the result of if we align ourselves and prepare our heart. If we humble ourselves before him and prepare our heart, the Lord said, my glory is going to explode in your midst. I want his glory. I want his glory to explode in my life personally, in your life personally, in, this, in the life of this church personally or corporately. I want his glory to explode. I want to see what we saw New Year's Eve night and what we saw the last time Pastor J.R. preached and what we saw when a young woman recently back in, I think, November literally ran to this altar to give her heart to the Lord. I want the glory of God to come into this house that people cannot drive on this property without coming under the influence of God's presence encountering his love and it's to the point that conviction sets into their heart and whatever they're bound by or addicted to will be broken off of them and they'll come to know Jesus, Yeshua as Savior and Lord and be delivered and set free, filled with the Holy Spirit and then go infect other people. Amen? So God wants his glory to explode in our house. It's not to just bless you. It is, but it's to bless you so that you're a blessing to others. He goes on, he says, I am aligning your heart. God's trying to align. He wants to align our heart. He said, I'm aligning your eyes. I'm aligning your mind. Turn to me only as your source. I am yours for eternity. I have begun the process and nothing can stop it. Well, that tells me the Lord's moving. And if you're going to move with the Lord, you better get in. You better get in the step. You better get in alignment with what the Lord's doing or you're going to get left behind. I don't want to be left behind. I've, I've almost missed a few airline flights and have a couple of times because of mess ups and stuff. And it's a bad feeling to be left behind. Le being left behind is costly. So you don't want to be left behind with what the Lord's doing. It says Isaiah 60, 1 through 3 is on you, on this house. This is what it says. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen on you. For behold, darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the peoples. I am 67 years old. Some of you are older. Some of you are much younger. I have never seen a time when the world was the way it is now. The distrust, the hatred, the violence, the anger, the unrest. Great darkness, it says, covers the earth. It does. Deep darkness upon the people. It is. And here's what the Lord said, and I capitalize it, but... When the Lord steps in, there's a difference. But the Lord will appear over you. Thank God. Can you say amen? The Lord's going to appear over us. Deep darkness is in the world, covers the earth. Deep darkness upon the people. But the Lord will appear over you. When the Lord appears, there's what? Light. Some of you got it. When the Lord appears, there's light. He's a God of light. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brilliance of your rising. The heavenlies are released on you, and my glory will be seen on you. This is an awesome, powerful word from the Lord that we need to receive. We need to, we need to meditate on it. We need to internalize this. We need to pray into it. We need to yield ourselves and say, Lord, whatever's out of alignment in my life, my heart, my eyes, my mind, my family, my finances, my children, my home, Lord, what, my job, Lord, whatever is out of alignment, Lord, get me in alignment with you. And when you do that, the Lord's going to speak to you because there's probably some changes that need to be made. And that becomes a, a, a matter of surrender of you to the Lord and humility before the Lord. The Lord is not going to make it happen in you. It's not automatic. He will move in your life as you allow him and open the door for him to do it. 
Now, there's several key words in this word to wow. Alignment, of course, is an obvious one. Alignment and align. It means to bring into a line or alignment or to array on the side of or against the cause, but it's an alignment to array it. Alignment is the proper, listen to this, because this, this really can be applied both naturally and spiritually. Another definition for alignment is this. The proper positioning or the state of adjustment, when something's adjusted, that means it's moved around. If you go to a chiropractor or, or whatever, if you have a broken bone, they're going to set it or adjust it. The proper positioning or state of adjustment of parts or members in relation to each other. What that tells me, it's not just about me. It's not just about you as an individual. God wants to see us get in alignment with him and then get in alignment with each other for his purposes in relation to members and to each other. That's when the Lord's going to bless. That's when we turn to this scripture found in Psalm, what is it? Psalm 130, what? Three, I thought it was, but it's wrinkled. 133, how, behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren and the sisters to dwell together in unity, alignment, agreement. Why? Because for there the Lord commands the blessing, life evermore. If we're going to do and accomplish what God wants us to do and accomplish in 2020, we must take heed to this word. The will of the Lord is moving, I don't doubt, throughout the face of the whole earth. And thank the Lord for that within his body. But he's moving here at WOW. He's moving at Zion's sake. I know he's moving in the Hispanics and the Korean congregations. He's wanting to move everywhere that people will hear and let him move and be hungry for him to move. So our, our challenge is to get into alignment with him. That wherever, and Pastor, uh, Pastor, Dr. James Lee talked about it on New Year's Eve night, that whatever's baggage you have of unforgiveness or holding something in your heart towards somebody or a situation, listen, we need to let it go because it's a stumbling block. It's, it's the weight of sin that so easily besets us that Hebrews, the book of Hebrews talks about. And he says, get rid of that. You can't go and do God's will carrying that old baggage. So I just encourage you again today, if you've got that stuff, and while I'm even mentioning it, something rises up in you and the Holy Spirit puts his finger on you, please get rid of it. Let the Lord have it. It's not worth you being poisoned by it and it keeping you from doing God's will in your life and coming into alignment with the Lord. Amen. So let's talk about what does the Bible say about having a vision as God's people? Well, I think you all know this, but vision is vital and vision, having vision from the Lord, it should be a natural, supernatural experience for us as God's people, having vision. And Proverbs 29, 18 says, for where there is no vision, and what that word vision means, when you look up the word, it literally means, vision means dream, revelation, or an oracle. And where there is no vision, dream, revelation, or oracle, the people perish. And what does that word perish? What, does it, what is it saying there? It means they get lost they go astray, they wander, or they're destroyed. It's like uh, in, in Cameroon one year, we went to the uh, Waza State Park looking for animals, and there were no animals because it was so hot, they were smarter than us. They were hiding in the brush trying to be cool. But the guide took us, and we found out in the middle of nowhere, it was a wildebeest standing there by himself. Well, those are a herd animal. You don't find them by themselves. They're a herd animal like zebras and horses and others are. And he was standing there by himself and he asked our group, he said, do you understand what this means for this wildebeest to be here by himself? 
No, we're Americans. We don't know what it means. We just go to the zoo and look at the animal and feed the elephant peanuts. We don't know. He said, this wildebeest has been excluded from the herd because he was rebellious. He caused trouble in the herd. And what they've done, they've isolated him here and they've left him here. And he said, and the worst part of it is they have abandoned him. But the worst part of it is the lions are going to get him. His fate will be that the lions will come and devour him. You talk about a spiritual lesson. The Holy Spirit was speaking to me. You know, through our stubbornness, through our rebellion, through our refusal to be in unity, through our refusal or to, to walk in agreement with one another by trying to do our own thing, we're just like that wildebeest. You're going to be left out of the kingdom of God. You're going to be left out. And guess who's coming? It's just like Peter said in his writing. There is a Satan is a roaring lion walking to and fro seeking whom he may devour. And when we're out on our own or we're isolated or we're rebellious, you become a prime target for Satan to devour you. People that stay away from church, church, going to church doesn't save you. Going to church doesn't make you more holy or better Christian. It puts you in an atmosphere of other people that you can worship with, you can have fellowship with, you can have discipleship with. Listen, we're like sandpaper on each other. And that's why some of you say, or you're not here because you're obviously here. But some that don't go to church anymore, and this is a real epidemic around the world, but we're living in America. It's an epidemic around the world. Church attendance has fallen off. You know why? Most people say, well, I was hurt at church. I was offended. That happens because we're in a real world. And none of us are perfect yet. It happens. And I'm not making excuses for it. It happens. But when it happens, what we're supposed to do is practice the principles of God's word is to apologize, to repent, and seek to dwell together in unity. And really what's going on is the Lord uses you and he uses others for you to be sandpaper. And they're rubbing against you. Why? Because you're rough. You got some rough edges. You got some stuff in your life. And when somebody comes and they rub against you, what's inside you really comes out. You go off on them. And you talk about them. And so what's really in there really comes out. And, and that's what God's wanting to deal with you about. So he uses people to be sandpaper against us. We don't like it. It doesn't feel good. Sandpaper's rough. But it's for the purpose of smoothing us for his glory. So the Lord's trying to use people to run the rough edges off you. Mm. That's not in any notes. It just came out today. The Tree of Life version says about that verse, Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. And what that's saying is they're limited. How do you get limited? Well, when you live in rebellion, God's not blessing you. And so you limit your potential that the Lord has for you. Vision can be synonymous with revelation, witnessing something supernatural, but yet not visible to the natural eye. It can be related to, but not necessarily synonymous with the concept of prophetic dreams or prophecy. But vision and dreams should be a common occurrence, especially in the last days that we're living in. It's always happened. I shared with you during the Christmas season messages, all the dreams and revelations that the angel Gabriel and the Lord brought to, to Joseph, to Mary, to Zechariah, to Elizabeth, to, to Annas and to Simeon and to the shepherds and to the wise men. It was dreams and revelation. It's all through the old. It's all through the new covenant. And God still speaks to people that way. 
You know, not every dream is a God dream, but you have to discern and, and, and have somebody in your life that can help you through that. But visions and dreams should be a common occurrence in the day that we're living in. How do you know that? Because Joel says that. Joel 2, 28, 29, speaking of our day today, says, So it shall be afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, they're going to prophesy. And your old men are going to dream dreams. And your young men are going to see visions. And also upon the male and the female servants will I pour out my spirit in those days. I'm going to show signs or wonders in the heavens and on the earth. This should be a natural, supernatural occurrence in our life to receive dreams and visions of what the Lord wants to do. So during this season of prayer and fasting, Lord, and when we go to sleep every night, it doesn't happen all the time. It's it can happen to me, but it doesn't happen as often as it does for Sylvia. She had a dream last night, or a, a night vision. In the night, a dream or vision, it's kind of hard to tell. Sometimes there is a little bit of a difference in them, but we won't go there right now. But our prayer every night is, Lord, we just thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us today and wash us, Lord, of anything we've done, said, that offended you or people today. And just, Lord, we just pray the angels are in this house to watch over us. You said that you cause your beloved to have sleep and you make their sleep to be sweet. So multiply this sleep tonight, Lord, and protect us and watch over us tonight and just keep us. And Lord, if you want to speak to us in the night, if you want to speak to us in the night, either wake us up or give us a dream, that's good. That's a good thing to do. Now, it doesn't happen every, I mean, he keeps us through the night, but I don't get a vision or a dream every night. I, I, I don't remember most of my dreams and, and I'm glad I don't because they're so scrambled up sometimes and, and goofy. But anyway having dreams and visions should be a natural supernatural experience and occurrence for us as last day people now how do you develop a vision in your life i want to go through this kind of quick there's scriptures for each one but let me not read the scriptures today and uh, you can do that Our, my notes are online if you'll go online to the app or either the website you can find the full set of notes i have tried to uh, spell everything correctly and go back and do spell check but spell check does not work with my english so I've looked through this three to four times trying to make sure, you know, I spelled everything right and did everything right. But if you find a mistake, just know it's me. I did it. I'm still human, okay? So I want to talk to you about how you can develop God's vision for your life and just give you the points. Number one is real obvious. Surrender your will or surrender your whole life to God. Not most of, some of. Surrender your whole life to the Lord, and the Lord will reveal himself to you. Second, confess any known sin. The Lord cannot bless us like he wants to bless us if we live with hidden sin in our life. Uh, thirdly, obediently pursue what you know to be God's will. A lot of people say, Pastor, uh, I want to know God's will for my life. I said, well, when's the last time the Lord spoke to you? They said, well, he said this, and he said that about that. And I said, when was that? And they tell me, and I said, did you obey what he told you to do? And most of the time they hang their head and said, well, no. I said, then let me ask you a question. I had to learn this from practical experience between me and the Lord. I said, why would the Lord tell you to do something now if you never did what he told you to do back then? Isn't that simple? But connect the dots. He's not going to give you a fresh word. Oh, I want a fresh word from the Lord. Why would he do that? Why would he give you a fresh word when you've never bothered to obey what he gave you back then? So when you obediently pursue what you know to be God's will, the Lord will direct you. He will order your paths. Four, 
Seek God through prayer, fasting, and worship. That's what we're doing. This is a favorite passage of scripture of mine in uh, Acts 13, but I'm going to spare the time and not read it. But when they prayed and fasted and worshiped, the Holy Spirit spoke. That's what I love. It's an atmosphere. You create the atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to speak to you by the prayer, the fasting, and the worship that we do. All right, five. Search the scriptures for the revealed. I'm sorry. Search the scriptures for the revealed word of the Lord and the will of the Lord. They were there in Acts 17, and the Bereans, it says, were more noble than the uh, uh, Thessalonians because they received the word with eagerness and they searched the scriptures to see if what Paul was telling them was true. Search the scriptures, study the Bible. Uh, we, a couple of weeks ago, we put a Bible reading guide in your bulletin. There are many forms. You have phones, you have media devices, you have an old-fashioned way. There's still some Bible guides in the lobby. I am encouraging you, carve out time. Can't say, oh, when I find the time. You'll never find the time. You have to carve out the time. You have to make, create, take as first a priority in your life the time to read God's Word. And uh, I, I don't read the Word. Come on. I don't read the Word the Bible in a year just to accomplish a goal and say, hey, I read the Bible through in a year. It's a big deal. And, and that used to trip me up because I got caught in the legalism of having to read so many scriptures, so many chapters every day. And, and I still have to catch myself when I'm doing that and say, I'm not doing this for the goal to say that I've accomplished a goal reading the Bible in a year or I've done this for this day. I, Lord, I look at your word. It is manna for me that day. And some of that I bring to you and share with you as we open scriptures. But I'm writing in my Bible. I'm, I'm underlining things. I'm writing it to the side. I'm texting the, the young people that are in college some of the, and universities some of the scriptures that really stand out to me that I feel like the Holy Spirit targets for them and me. God's word is so important. I feel like Pastor Greg again at, at kids, kids says, God's word. But it search the scriptures because it will reveal God's word to you. It will. Six, be attentive to the impressions and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the ministry of the Holy Spirit would come to lead you and guide you into all truth. You want to know the truth? Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. And, and then when he speaks to you, you have to obey him. Acts 5.32, the Holy Spirit is given to those that obey him. And God doesn't, listen, God knows whether we mean it or not. God knows whether we're sincere or not. He knows whether we're playing him or gaming him. He knows. And so when you and I have a heart that really wants to do God's will, the Holy Spirit will speak to us. He will reveal the will of the Lord to us and give us guidance. Seventh, honestly evaluate your gifts, your talents, your passions, and your resources. First Peter 4 says we should use whatever gift the Lord's given us for the glory of the Lord, basically. Eight is use your mind or understanding and know the times and learn from others. Uh, we love that scripture from First Chronicles 12. The tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. These men understood the signs of the times and they knew the best course or they knew what to do. We need people. We need leaders. We need to become those people. If you're in a family, you're a leader. If you're, if you're in some kind of position at your job, you're a leader. If you're a child of God, you're supposed to be leading people to the knowledge of Christ. You need to understand the times that we're living in, the times that we're living. This is, I mean, this is ridiculous to even make this statement. The times that we're living in, they're probably some of the toughest times you and I have ever seen before. 
And man has no answers. Have you noticed? It just keeps snowballing and getting worse as we go along. And they're trying. They're trying to throw money at it. They're trying to throw politics at it. They're trying to even throw religion at it. They're trying to throw everything at it. We've got to have God's wisdom, revelation, and understanding of the times that we live in to know what to do. Not just to survive, but to know what to do that we come out on top. Because we're the head, we're not the tail. And then ninth, translate God's vision into faith goals and practical action steps. Faith, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Tenth, believe great things about God, ask great things of God, and attempt great things for God. Ephesians 3.20 says this, now to him, the Lord, who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So those are 10 steps that you can weigh in. You know, I don't really like steps as such, but, but those are 10 practical guidelines for you how to know the will of God in your life. Second thing I want to say is that the vision of the Lord for us today, definitely without a doubt, without a doubt. So God, what's your will for my life? I want to, I want to promise you this is part of it. This is a big part of it for all of us, is to look upon the harvest field. Look upon the harvest field. See the needs of others. In Matthew 9, Jesus said these words. He went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Now, I want to stop there a minute. You know what the kingdom of God is? Right there what Jesus said. He proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, and he demonstrated it by what? Healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Listen, for you and I to go preach the gospel, it is to tell them Jesus is the way of salvation. But please understand, child of God, the Holy Spirit has come to empower you that when you see that they have a need, you have the authority and you have the power. You have the right and you have the power to lay hands on them and to pray a prayer that whatever need that they're going through, that they are delivered from it, they're healed from it. That is what's going to show them that there is a God in heaven and works on planet earth, that he is still alive and active, and he's moving into people's lives today. God wants to demonstrate his word, not just preach his word, tell his word. He wants it demonstrated. Jesus demonstrated the word. He preached the gospel told them the good news of the kingdom, and then he demonstrated it by healing the sick, delivering the demoniac, raising the dead. Come on, let's raise this thing up a little. Let's raise this thing up a, little, a level and see some dead people being raised from the dead. Pastor, can we do that? Jesus said we're supposed to be doing it. This is normal Christianity, but we live so subnormal for so long. When the normal happens, we think it's abnormal. Anybody understand that? Let's do it. Let's move to that place. Let's have that kind of faith. Let's have that kind of relationship with the Lord. Let's have that kind of love and compassion for people because Jesus was moved with compassion, it says on them, because he saw them as a sheep having no shepherd, harassed and helpless. Man, the world's full of people harassed and helpless right now like never before. Jesus went on to say to his disciples, which he is saying to you and I today, the harvest is plentiful. People are more hungry spiritually, statistics tell us, people are more hungry spiritually today than ever before. 
But because the church, the real church, God's church is not out there giving them the real answer and demonstrating the word. What they're doing, they're turning to other spiritual sources and resources. Now, I'm not saying that to shame us, but I'm saying that, that we've got to rise up, folks. God is trying to align us. God is trying to align our hearts, our eyes, our lives, everything about us, that we are the church in this dark day that we live in. If you don't believe that it's dark, you really need an eye exam. You need a spiritual eye exam. You need a heart checkup. But he said the harvest is plentiful, but it's the laborers that aren't going. And we talked last week about the go of the gospel. So he's, Jesus said, ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers in the harvest field. Guess who they are? You and me. It's not some other church's responsibility in the city or in the 757 region. It's not some other church's responsibility. It's your and my responsibility. They have their responsibility, but it's also our responsibility to reach. It's my responsibility to reach all those that I can in my sphere of influence and my encounters with people. But I'm not the only one called to do this. Do you still believe that old idea about, well, it's the preacher's job to win everybody to the Lord? You can't believe that because that's limited. I am one human being. You have more contact and you actually have more influence over people that don't know Christ than I do. They have not come to hear me. They don't listen to the radio station. They don't, they don't, they don't archive the messages on the internet. You're the gospel. You're the epistle that is read and known by them. And if they don't see Jesus in you, they're not going to see Jesus in this life. You're the, you're the laborer. Go. Obey what Jesus said. Go. The symbolic meaning of that harvest in Scripture, it encompasses two main areas. Number one, God's provision for us. God wants to provide for you. God wants to bless you that people look at your life and say, man, how did you do this? How did you get this position? How did you get hired here? How did you get elevated? How did you get promoted? And, and, and if you're honest... You're going to say, the Lord did it. Yes, I have skills and yes, I have abilities because God gave them to me. But I, I have worked those skills and abilities and I've yielded those and surrendered those to the Lord. And you know, when you're faithful to the Lord, the Lord will promote you. There's so many lies and examples in scripture of that. When you're faithful to the Lord, God honors those that are faithful to him. He promotes you. You don't get to retire. You get promoted to do more. Because you're responsible and he can trust you. And he blesses you with more to do. Because then you'll have an even greater sphere of influence over people. So the provision is for you. But then secondly, it's not just for you. God blesses you so that you can be a blessing to other people. Each day that we go to a job and earn a paycheck, we are experiencing harvest. You say, well, my harvest is not enough. Well, are you faithful in doing the harvest that you're at? Because if you're faithful at the harvest where you are, if you'll continue to be faithful, God is going to bless you and multiply and promote you. That's his word. And each time you receive love from your family and those in our lives, we experience a harvest. Each time that we experience the closeness of God in a way that fills us spiritually, we're receiving a harvest from the Lord. Anytime we're filled, we experience a harvest. Harvest is not something that we experience once a year. It's something that we can experience on a daily basis basis. The Lord has good thoughts towards you to bless you, not to curse you. 
The harvest that we experience on a daily basis, though, it really doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the Lord because He is the Lord of the harvest, not us. Our jobs belong to the Lord of the harvest, but He lets us go. Do you understand the job that you have? That is your mission field that the Lord has given you a mission field, and He's paying you to go to that mission field every day or how many days a week that you go to it. So stop cursing the mission field that God's given you of souls to reach and is allowing you to be paid to be on that mission field to reach and influence those people for the kingdom of God. Stop cursing it and embrace it. This is my mission field. The mission field's not easy. Your mission field could be your job. It could be your family. It could be your neighborhood. It definitely is the world. The money we earn, it belongs to the Lord of the harvest. He gives you the strength and the energy to be able to do it. He blesses you with the income to be able to provide for your family and bless the kingdom of God. Our spouses and our children belong to the Lord of the harvest. It's all His by right of creation. But when we put God in His rightful place and we recognize Him as Lord of the harvest, what happens is that uh, He is the one that puts into our hands to be able to work, he supplies our provisions, that are, and our family is actually his family, and it rightfully all belongs to him. And we recognize the Lord of the harvest for who he is in our lives. We embrace the fact that while our harvest is something he gives to meet our needs, it is also something that he wants us to use to bless others. So again, it's not just for us. It is for us, but it's also to be a blessing to others. Third thing, last thing. Proper vision is to keep our focus on Jesus. In 2020, uh, I've watched the news through this thing with Iran and, and, and you know, been, I watched the news as much as we can tolerate. After you see a couple of shows and different ones, it all is just a recycle of the same, saying the same thing over and over again. And, uh, you know, you know how that works. But there, there is so much out there to distract us. And that's the warning that Jesus gave through the Gospels. And Paul did to us too, that stands for us today too, that don't be distracted by the cares of this life. It can steal the word. It can steal the peace. It can steal, you know, the mission and the vision out of your heart. And that's what in 2020, right from this outset, that's why we're fasting. That's why we're spending 21 days to refocus on what is important and what the kingdom of God is really about. It's about people. It's about souls. It's about hearing God's will, doing God's will, getting ourselves in a position that we will obey the Lord and do whatever he says to do no matter what. Now, that's, that's going to be a wild ride. I want to tell you. Because when you give yourself to the Lord and you say, Lord, whatever you want to do, you better get ready. Because he'll stretch you. He'll stretch your world. He's going to stretch you. He's going to ask you to do things you've never done before. He's going to ask you to do things outside of your ability and your understanding to do. Because when you simply obey, you're going to see the hand of God move and work and perform and God give breakthroughs. But God's going to do it outside of your abilities and what you're able to do. Because if you were able to do it, it had already been done. But it's not. So he gives you something to do that's bigger than you because it's going to make you, cause you to call out on him and trust him and then allow the Holy Spirit to work through you to accomplish it. See, that's why, that's why you're in a hard place. You're in a hard place because the Lord is trying to use you to get you out of yourself to trust him so that there can be breakthrough in other people's lives. So we need to let the Lord do that. So our, and the way that happens is to keep our proper vision, is to keep our focus on Jesus, Yeshua. 
Of course, the main scripture there is Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, Yeshua, who's the author and the finisher, the perfecter, another word says, of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he had to endure the cross. There's some things in our Christian walk we just plain have to endure. Hang on, tie a knot in it, and hold on. Endure. As a matter of fact, the scripture said those that endure to the end, those are the ones that will be saved. So if you don't have any endurance in you, and if you can't, don't build up any endurance in you, and if you're a quitter, if you quit while you are in adversity, Proverbs said your faith is small. So we need to develop endurance in us that, Lord, whatever happens, I'm holding on to you. I'm keeping my vision and focus on you, not on what the world's doing, not on what the news is saying, not on, on what political party is saying and doing. Lord, I'm keeping my focus and vision on you. Let me, because all of that is a distraction to keep you and I from accomplishing what the Lord has saved us and left us here to do. That is win people and disciple people and love people and see them born again and become effective in the kingdom of God. That's God's vision and will for you in 2020 more than ever before in your life I pray you you and I together will step into that more than we've ever stepped into that the amplified classic version says this looking away from all that will distract to Jesus everything that distracts us look away from it keep your focus your vision 2020 on Jesus who is the leader and source of our faith and is also the finisher of it he is the one that will see us through to the end for he, for, I'm sorry, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, Yeshua, he endured. There's that word again. He endured the cross. He just said, this is the Father's will. This is not pleasant. This doesn't feel good. This means separation for him from the presence of God, which he'd never known. It meant his body facing a horrible physical torture, but it meant the spiritual uh, agony that he had to go through, suffering the being not in the presence of the Lord and experiencing hell on our behalf. He endured that cross, despising, ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God. You and I need the endurance that Jesus had, and he can give that to us. He can give that to you. Jude one twenty one said, keep yourself in the love of God. And I want to encourage myself and you too. In the day that we're living in, again, in the, new, uh, in the Gospels, it says that, that sin will abound so much in the last days that the love of many will wax cold. We're seeing that. There's Christians that are angry at each other. There are Christians that have separated fellowship from each other over politics, over many issues, and politics is probably the, the, the greatest one right now, racial things and, and politics. The word said, be careful. Keep yourself in the love of God. If you stay in the love of God, you will be able to love people. Amen. And that's the only way you're going to be able to love people. Listen, there have been people, I've said this before, there have been people in my life, I said, God, I can't love them. Our personalities clash. I, I look at them and I just... And I, and I hear them talk, and I don't like the sound of their voice. Have you ever had somebody in your life like that? You didn't like the sound of their voice. You didn't like the way they looked. You didn't like the way they acted. Anybody, am I the only messed up one in this room? <laughs> Willing to admit it? You just, you just couldn't get along with them. You, just, you didn't even want to try to get along with them. You'd be like when the, when the, when the, the man was... Uh, on the way to Jericho, was beat up and left by the roadside. You get on the, you see them coming, you pass on the other side of the road. Say, Whoa. If they, if they turn, if they turn left, you know, you saw them at an intersection, you go, I hope they don't see me. And, 
And you'd make a turn you weren't even supposed to turn just to not see them and avoid them. I'm talking to somebody right now. And I said, God, I can't. And the Lord said, you're right, you can't. I said, God, but you can love them through me. And I said, Lord, I really don't want to pray this prayer because I know what's going to happen. You're going to cause me to love them, but I know I'm supposed to. I can't, but Lord, love them through me. And we need the Lord to break our heart that we can love people, no matter who they are, what they've done to us, or what they've done, period. You know, some people may get mad or upset with me making the statement. These terrorists and these people that do this, this, this man, I can't... How do you pronounce his last name that was just killed? Solome? However you say his name. Thank you. Did you know Jesus died for him? Do you know, even though he was a murderer, even though he was a, a, a leader, do you know that the blood of Jesus was shed for him? Do you know that God's plan was him, for him to be saved and be in heaven and not be killed and not be how he ended up? Do you, do you understand that? God loves him so much that he sent his son to die for him. Everybody's saying, well, justice was served, and he got what he, got what he deserved. He, he, he reaped what he sowed. That is true, but that's not what God really wanted for him. And I can't take delight that the man was killed. Take delight that he was stopped from hurting, killing others, yes, but not that his soul very possibly is not with the Lord through eternity. God can put a love in our heart. And it's got to be that way. Listen, that's what's going to distinguish you and I in this day that we're living in. A lot of mad, angry, upset people out there. It, you, you encounter them at the cash register. You encounter them wherever, work, wherever, your neighborhood, traffic, intersections, wherever. A lot of mad people out there. But you and I are the salt and the light to make the difference. They may do us wrong. Come on. They may do us wrong. But the Lord said, love them, forgive them, release them. Don't let that poison get in you. Keep yourself in the love of God. Don't put Psalm 146.3, don't put your confidence in powerful people because there's no help for you there. There's not. It's in the Lord. Psalm 118.9, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes or leaders or people that are in higher places that can, you know, got influence. Isaiah 2.22, don't put your trust in mere humans. They are as frail as breath. What good are they? Psalm 33, 16 through 20 says, No king is saved by the size of his army. Neither can a warrior escape by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But here's the good news. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. Those that reverence, respect, awe the Lord. His eyes are upon them. That's how you can attract the Lord to you. By reverencing him, respecting him, his ways, his word, his son. On those who hope in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. When you live fulfilling God's vision, God will bring the provision for you. We don't have to worry. When we live fulfilling God's will... He will bring the provision for us. Would you stand with me together today? 2020 vision for 2020 for World Outreach Worship Center for your life individually.
for our life corporately together as a congregation. Again, the information is there in the lobby on the right in three stacks for you as well as other sign-ups and things you need to pay attention to if that pertains to you. And within that is that word that we received December the 8th. And I encourage you to read it, take it to your prayer closet, pray through it. I encourage you to ask the Lord, Lord, let this work within me. Align me, Lord. Get me Get me on your track. Get me in that place, Lord, with you. Get me into alignment with you, Lord. That proper positioning, that state of adjustment with me as a part, with other members in relation to one another. With you, Lord, and then with other people. You know, the cross, say this last thing. The cross Jesus died on. It's a vertical, which means our relationship with God. But you can't have a cross without the horizontal. We're not only to be right with God, we have to be right with fellow man. That's the complete message of the gospel. That as much as it lies within us to live at peace with all people, that's, that's a challenge. But that's God's call for our life. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We invite you, Father God, you are here. We ask you, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Speak to us in this season of 21 days, Lord. We don't glorify the fast. We don't brag about what we're doing. Father, we want to be humbled before you. And The word says, humble yourself before the Lord, and he'll lift you up. It would be better for us to humble ourselves before you than for you to have to come and humble us. That would not be good. So, Father, we choose to humble ourselves before you and prayer, seeking your face, seeking to be in alignment with you, Lord, seeking you, Lord, with doing the fasting because, Lord, it causes us to be physically weak to realize how much we really do need you, not just physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, in every way, Heavenly Father. So, Lord, call us to the season. Lord, touch our spiritual eyes and give us 20-20 vision to see the kingdom. Jesus declared, when you read in the beginnings of Matthew and Mark and Luke, when Jesus came, John the Baptist's message was, Behold, the kingdom of heaven is coming, is at hand. When Jesus came, he began to preach the gospel. He said, Now is the kingdom among you. And I said it in recent weeks. He never took the kingdom back when he ascended back to the heaven. He's left the kingdom of God among us. The kingdom of God is within you, Jesus said. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, we surrender ourselves to you. We welcome and invite you, Lord. Touch us. Fulfill your promises. Give us that 2020 vision, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus and for your kingdom's sake, Lord, amen. Amen. I want to ask our prayer teams if they would come forward. Prayer and ministry teams and those that assist them. Today you feel like you need a 2020 eye checkup from the Holy Spirit. Lord, I want you to correct my vision. I want you to align me. I want you, Lord, I just present myself before you like the scripture says in Romans 6. I want to present myself before you, Lord, that you would do a new work. You promised to do a new work in this new year. And you're always doing something fresh. Holy Spirit, you're always fresh. 
And we pray that, Lord Jesus, the old things of the past, the old baggage, the old issues, the old mindsets, the old concepts that, Lord, you would like to renew. You'd like to take us and take that old wineskin and renew the wineskin. Boy, that's it right there. You're, some of you feel like I'm an old wineskin and I'm, it's not fresh. My relationship with the Lord, my life with the Lord is not fresh anymore. The Holy Spirit speaking to you. He has the ability to take you and renew your wineskin and renew it, re-oil it, that he can pour in the new wine, the fresh wine of what he's doing today to keep you abreast and up to date with what the Holy Spirit's doing. If that's you today and you need a new, uh, that you need your wineskin, you need you as a wineskin re-oiled and remade, refreshed, renewed, so that the fresh wine of the Holy Spirit can be poured into, that's what the Holy Spirit's saying to you this morning. Father, touch us, Lord, in Jesus' name. We're just... The altar's open as Pastor Larry leads us in a worship course. Then we're going to break for school of ministry and encourage you, if you're not involved in the school of ministry, please find one for you. We have one for your children, for young people, for adults. Check the board in the lobby or check with a greeter in the lobby, and they can help you and assist you in finding a school of ministry class. Start this year out by listening to the Word being taught, being with other people in a small group and developing fellowship with them so you can become a stronger believer and follower of Christ. Holy Spirit, I just break every bondage, every spirit of deception. Lord, every sense of pride, every, every, any sense of, Lord, just, Lord, a resistance, Lord, that the enemy's trying to work on a person's heart, life, mind, or body right now. And if you have need for a physical need in your body for prayer, these are here to agree with you and minister healing to you this morning. So just come. Just come. Just come to the Lord this morning. Pastor Larry.